0: mm <laughs> Flashers and survivor girls to another super summary edition of the creep and real horror cast i'm your host meg
1: i am Launchbox,
0: and welcome back as we finish our summer of blood series uh this is the last episode for our uh summer horror movie month uh, but before we get into that, just real quick, uh, we wanted to make sure that you subscribed, and we thank you always for listening. Like, share, comment, uh, all five-star reviews are appreciated. And of course, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. It's the most important thing that you can do. So this week, uh, what'd you pick, Craigie?
1: I was actually pretty happy with this entire month, like for this little theme you know, dealie, and I kind of wanted to go with like, for for me, I mean, you know, Jaws is my end-all, be-all. We all know that, you know, if you didn't listen. Go listen to the episode. But, for me, it's like, as a kid, other than Jaws, Friday the 13th was always kind of like my summer movie. Like, that was something that always stuck out to me as, you know, like summer camp and things like that. So, the I wanted to kind of go, and also, too, I mean, it's, Friday the 13th so it's like it's just horror classic so why not end with the bang and so well, I, that's that's where I went with
0: I mean it is the quintessential summertime movie summer camp and by the lake and it's supposed to be idyllic and pretty and those sorts of things so sure why not Friday the 13th was released on May 9th 1980 it was made for a budget of about $550,000, and it grossed worldwide uh, $39.7 This thing made a ton Ooh. of money. Man, someone's
1: sitting sideways.
0: Oh, that's why it spawned so many sequels, because the studio saw dollar signs. Yeah. It was written by Victor Miller and directed by Sean Cunningham. The movie starred Betsy Palmer as Mrs. Voorhees, Adrian King as Alice, Janine Taylor as Marcy, Robbie Morgan as Annie, Kevin Bacon as Jack, Harry Crosby as Bill, and Laurie Bartram as Brenda. So, this is a movie about kids being kids. This is a movie that takes place at a summer camp. But for me, watching it with a little bit more of a critical eye, but you know, for what it's worth, I've probably seen this movie a couple dozen times. I've seen this movie a lot. Same for you.
1: Yeah, this is one that's been pretty heavy. Uh granted a lot of the later Friday the 13th is uh, you know they're actually more viewed, but this is one like from my childhood where it's like my parents felt like I could handle it. Um and interesting choice. Yeah. I mean, it was one that I remember watching with it was Around the Halloween time uh, is really when my parents kind of got into the mode, uh, as you you do. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, so, I mean, it's like I remember uh, watching, uh, you know, Jaws and Monster Squad, Beetlejuice. uh, Hell, it was like Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street. uh, A lot of the classics, but it was always like my dad had this thing where he always wanted to watch them with the lights out. Like, that's how you're supposed to watch horror movies and so that's so the first time i watched this movie it it struck me in a kind of a weird way because i felt that it's like i should be scared but i was more intrigued and like with like nightmare on elm street i had that feeling as a kid where i was like holy like this guy's gonna get me in my sleep yeah whereas with this killer it was more of like i'm just intrigued because i want to know who who it is Mm -hmm. like you don't see him the whole time and it's but he's still kind of getting that that scare out of you and so it was more of like it it was just it was it was more of a curious craig than than anything um so that's where it's like i kind of fell with it but it was still enjoyable um as a kid sure So that's where it was like, it was, it was interesting to like, and and also too, was interesting as a dynamic for, as a kid, having those feelings instead of like, oh no, oh no, she's going to get an ax in the face. And then, nah, no, it was more of like, oh my God, how did they do that? Oh my God, that's amazing. Like, and then, yeah. yeah, So spawn the horror nerd.
0: Right. And so it goes. Yeah. The funny thing about watching this movie this time with more of a critical eye I don't know if it's I don't know if it's because we we watched it back in December or what but I've found I've been using Black Christmas a lot as sort of my slasher benchmark and Friday the 13th felt a lot to me like the poor man's Black Christmas. It was really cheapy version of it um you don't see the killer um in this case you do get to see the killer at the very end but for the majority of the movie you don't know who's doing what and it it literally could be anybody teenagers are being picked off this is it's summer vacation instead of christmas vacation kind of thing they're all all the kids are college age like there's a lot of a lot you can draw from that's really similar to black christmas but it hits a lot of the same beats but i I don't feel like it does it very well.
1: The um, This movie, it was, as you just mentioned, it's, like, where it takes a lot of that. It's, like, not only did it take, like, the story take from, like, Black Christmas, but, like, it also, the music also took from other movies.
0: Yeah, the music, uh, Henry Manfredini seemed to borrow very heavily from Psycho and Jaws for the score. Yeah.
1: And it was weird because it... it when you hear that that Friday the thirteenth theme song
0: Well it doesn't really it, have a theme song, not it's, a just theme, a theme. it's just a theme the it's the sound effects. The yes. Ch- the, ch-
1: mama, the ch Yeah. So that is fantastic. It's iconic and it works, it's so simple. And, it's like when
0: you hear the cellos and jaws.
1: Dun, 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 yeah. yeah, or uh, you know, with like Michael Myers that. Dun, 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 uh-huh. Like again, the simpler the the you know the rhythm is, the fantastic. Yeah, it's perfect. But when we were listening to the music, like you were just kind of like, that sounds like Psycho. Mm. Like I'm waiting for the the. Dun, 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 dun. Like and and there's like a part in there that has. It, it was close. And it was then, really
0: like, close. There's
1: a, a a couple of sections where. Uh, when the killer is starting to kind of creep up, you can hear the that that big bassy like, boo-boo, boo-boo. like it's a it's just a buildup, and I'm like that's that's fucking Jaws, like they just took that from Jaws, and most like there's a couple of scenes where it actually happens like when the uh you know girls running through like uh l- like little like puddle or something like that and like or like splashing around in the, like the lake, and it's just like oh there should be a shark there like that's that's yeah, calling that and out and
0: no shark
1: but like this movie it was interesting because it kind of it made its own path but it was using like different things it was kind of like i you know what, i really like this so i'm gonna use this or it's like i really like this i'm gonna use just this and mash it all up and blend it and then oh, boom friday the 13th like that's and, I mean, and there's a lot of movies that, that will do that. Uh, we just watched uh, Event Horizon, uh, you know, re- you know, recently. A couple months ago, yeah. And, the, like, I, I there's the argument there that, the, you know, the, oh, it's, like, taken from, like, Aliens and, a, you know, Hellraiser. And, like, there's a, just a whole bunch of little mashups. And there's, like, lines from Back to the Future and all this other stuff. And it's just, like – but it's the same thing. Like, they just took – Things that they possibly liked from other movies and use that formula.
0: Well, if anyone has ever seen uh, either His Name is Jason or the Camp Crystal Lake Memories documentaries... Fantastic. Sean Cunningham even went so far as to just be like... He kind of was... He's admitted to wanting to ride the coattails of Halloween. And he also was sick of directing porn, so... Why not make a low budget horror movie and see what he can do with that to the point where he put an ad out uh, the summer of 1979 in Variety magazine It's just just a page that just said Friday the 13th kind of like a coming soon sort of deal um, just to get people to bid on the idea. He didn't have a script. He didn't have a story. He had nothing to work off of except for the title. And somehow he managed to... Like, that's to, ballsy. Yeah, he somehow managed to scam his way into getting yeah. this movie deal, uh, but he he didn't have anything to say. This is one of those horror movies that people want to try to dissect, and it's like, what are these certain themes and tones? He It's, it's literally about nothing. Yeah. He had a nothing. He I just think- thought of... He just thought, oh, I've got a killer. We've got some teenage camp counselors the end there was
1: nothing more to it than that and that's the one thing that i do love is just the fact that people will try to dissect this thing and when we were watching it as we were like you know going through and i was trying to like take notes and things like that i'm like this movie is so point a to point b with like very like i mean all it is is just kills in the middle and you're just more of just trying to figure out you know who the killer is that it's just one of those there's nothing else in the middle and it's like all the characters and things like that they're just cannon fodder it's just it's it's it's, it's weird it's
0: the characters are all one-dimensional yeah you don't actually get to know any of them you don't get to know anything about them enough to even begin to care about them uh and this was the kickoff to pretty much the friday the 13th legacy of rooting for the killer and just going into it to see how the slaughter happens yeah. that's it you you don't give a shit about anybody in the movie you're just waiting to see oh how's the next guy getting killed and that kind of sucks and for me that's flat i don't want to see that it's, if it's just anonymous basically anonymous kills it's like why should i invest anything into any of these people who are being led to the slaughterhouse no
1: i mean and for this movie i actually felt that it was it was done okay where you kind of felt like oh no like something's gonna happen to the kids um and it's like did you
0: care though
1: no and that was the thing is like like because they would like show up there was a couple of characters where you're like Oh, no, not that guy. Or, or, you know, it's just, it goes through. Now, going forward into the the Friday 13th franchise, that's when it was more of like, oh, no, we're here for the kills. We're here to see who, like, I want to see, like, what they come up with to, you know, slaughter them. Like, where they send Jason to New York and he punches a guy's head clean off his shoulders. He just had hookens. And then, I was like, how And then his head flies off into a garbage can.
0: Yeah, but this set the precedent for all of that it it kind of it borrowed a bit from Texas Chainsaw Massacre in that way because when we talked about that one a couple of weeks ago, that was one of the things that we noticed was we didn't really get to know who the characters were except for maybe Sally and Franklin just a little. Um, But in this case, you kind of get to know Alice a bit. But in terms of of generalities with everybody, you don't know their backgrounds, you don't know where they come from, where they go to school, where, you know, if they have parents, like, you know nothing about them. It's like they just sort of drop out of the sky, completely blank slate into this summer camp. And and they're also incredibly one-dimensional. And I know this is a weird complaint because it is a slasher movie, but I think where Sean Cunningham failed and maybe, like, say, Wes Craven did a bit better was he fleshed the characters out a little bit. They weren't just walking stereotypes or archetypes. Like there was something to them in terms of having personalities and those sorts of things. So those sorts of things like Alice, uh, our heroine of the film, was actually pretty. She was like pretty bland, white bread. There really wasn't anything to her. Uh, notably kevin bacon's in this movie but it's not like his performance knocked anybody's socks off
1: well and that was the thing is like as we were watching it he stood out the most for me but it was more because of i like i i just already knew who kevin bacon was like i'm a fan of kevin bacon so it's like right it like seeing him on the screen it's like he just automatically stood out back in the 80s when he didn't really have like a really big name as of yet well
0: at this point he was really only known for doing theater in new york but prior to this movie his only other screen credit was a random role in animal house
1: yep um and so I'm that's done but that's the thing is like so he still stood off of the screen for me and his character felt a little bit more interesting and it was actually kind of surprising that he got offed Early, Like, he was one of the first uh, couple kills. It's
0: not, because he didn't have... He was a nobody at the time.
1: But that's what I'm saying. It's like, because he was a nobody, and it wasn't like... Because I think if, if maybe he had that, uh, you know, that celebrity namesake that he has now, it would be a type... It definitely another thing. It's like, you know what, let's keep him a little bit longer towards the end of the movie. and <laughs> Just to keep yeah. eyeballs on it.
0: Well, the only real name value they had for this movie was Betsy Palmer who wasn't advertised as being in the movie, because that would have given away the ending. Uh, And at this point, her, she hadn't done movies in years. Like, it was just one of those where the mortgage was due, and she got this script kind of thing. It was more of a, well, no one's going to see it anyway, I might as well make a quick buck. And that's the only reason why she did it. Um, And she's been very open about that. It's not like it was any real secret. She thought this thing was garbage and it was going to go nowhere. And to the day she... A
1: lot of people thought it was garbage.
0: But till the day she died, she stood by that and she still could not understand the following and why people were so invested in really any of the Friday the 13th movies, but especially hers, where she's like, Pamela Voorhees was despicable like she was just she was killing people what was the appeal there yeah. and the biggest appeal was because it was a mother avenging the unnecessary death of her son and a lot of parents could feel that like yeah. could really get behind and, that
1: and that was something that where it's like people at like conventions when they go to or when they would used to go to meet mm-hmm. her they would like bring their babies and stuff like that and like have them like take photos mm-hmm. with her like holding the baby and she just at first didn't understand it whatsoever because she's like i murdered children like that or i murdered you know uh, young adults and so it's like why would you want me to hold your like it's it felt very morbid
0: um i mean it is a little the but the fact is that a lot of people can identify with her yeah because as personally as a parent one of the things that would be almost impossible for me to imagine is one of my children dying. And it would absolutely destroy me. And Mrs. Voorhees was a little cuckoo banana pants hearing the voice of her dead son in her head. So it drove her over the edge. But her goal was to make sure that no other children died at Camp Crystal Lake.
1: <laughs> Yet. Yeah. I'm going to kill a whole bunch of people. So it's I mean, like... I they were
0: already in college.
1: Yeah, I know. But it's just like, oh, like... It's the people that are slacking off and not doing their jobs. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm protecting the the innocent by right. removing the problem. Right. Or, or, and making or, sure the
0: camp wasn't ever going to open again. Yeah. Because there's two schools of thought here. It's removing the staff. Can't open without a staff, right? But it's also creating this reputation... To where at some point, nobody's going to want to try to reopen Camp Crystal Lake. Because it had been tried... Let's see. The timeline for this is Jason died in 1957. The following summer is when uh, Mrs. Voorhees started stalking the camp. The camp had been closed for over a decade. Steve Christie comes in in 1979 to try to reopen the camp. So she reappears um, after that. So you've got... A little over 20 years between the first round of killings and then where this movie takes place. And I think that's really the main idea is to close it for good because people go to this place and they never come back out. So it removes any potential for it reopening and it removes the potential for any other young children to get hurt or die at this camp.
1: And one of the the interesting things for me while watching this film, is the the townspeople um, around. Oh, like, they're all
0: fucking nuts, too. Like,
1: it's insane that they all have this thing. It's, it's such a small town that it has become the folklore or it's become the urban legend. And it's just, this is the thing that everyone believes and everyone knows the story of, camp blood camp like right and just like it but they make it like that there is a supernatural like it almost has that feeling where it's like oh there's something supernatural there don't go that way it's
0: like there's the jersey devil chupacabra bigfoot sort of vibe to it there's a ghost haunting the camp or something like there's definitely a preternatural supernatural sort of thing
1: and that's where it's like with the lore of jason where it's like oh you don't go to camp crystal lake because jason is there they never mention that it's jason or any or any of that where it's it's not
0: at that point and it it doesn't become jason until alice at the end of the movie says speculates that jason could still be alive
1: no but they just leave it the townspeople leave it open they just say oh it's just bad like just don't go there like just quit you know like just just don't go and then it turns around where it's just, it just always turns around where it's like, don't go, don't go, don't go. Oh, Camp Blood is bad. And then in the later movies, it's because, oh, don't go there because Jason's there. Right. And, you know, it's like, oh, now you have the the, the physical, you yeah. know, being.
0: Right now, it's just that creepy aura.
1: Yeah. yeah. But that's where it's like, it, there was, it was like they were, they were leaving something out that should have been there before, Um. And that, like, to give them the reason as to why it was it was bad.
0: Yeah, definitely the explanation was more of an in, an intangible type of a thing than uh, having a real set urban legend to it just yet. There was nothing concrete. It was just this is bad news. Bears don't go there. Um, the interesting way that this was shot, though, it kind of skew. It kind of screws with your head a little bit because much like the comparison to Black Christmas, our killer. Is mostly off screen. You see these big heavy boots. You see hands that are covered in gloves. Um, you see... Or if you see the hands without gloves, there's like a very large ring on one of the fingers. Everything and about... And they're all
1: like... It's always like a man... Like whenever you see like the body and you see... Like it's just always like... It's very uh, masculine. Very manly. And yeah. It's just like... It's, it's thick. Yeah. And it's, it throws you off.
0: It really does. So the whole time... As an audience member, you're watching this thinking it's some guy doing it. It's a man. It's a man. It's a man, which is part of the reason why I think initially when this movie was released, you know, before we discovered that Vader was Luke's father, essentially. Um, what? You, when did that happen? In, Forty years ago. Son of a bitch. Yeah. The really? I mean, it's the same twist when we see that it's it's Mrs. Vor. Fuck Vorley's, off. Yeah. What?
1: I'm just joking. I'm a any nerd. More, do you have
0: any more outbursts? <laughs> what?
1: How, how high do you think I could go? I
0: don't know. Say it again. Vader's Luke's father. What?
1: No, I'm just. That's all right. about as high as you, think you
0: can go. <laughs> if you go any higher, you're probably gonna poop yourself.
1: <laughs> probably. Uh,
0: but this it's a sim it's a similar shock reaction for the crowd is you're thinking it's a man the whole time, and typically when you see really any movie, um, but horror movies too. When you see a female character, you get those typical feminine archetypes springing to mind where they're safe and it's maternal and it's warm and it's inviting and it's this whole feminine persona. So when you meet Mrs. Voorhees for the first time and she's a big smile and she's like, oh, I'm a friend of the, the Christie's, let me help you, my dear, and this whole thing, you kind of relax a little because you think, oh, Alice, Alice is safe. And then within a minute or two of that, you get the big reveal that she's killing everybody in the name of her son. And that's where the big twist happens. And I think that's why it hits a little different is because you're expecting a man and it's a woman. And that goes against the feminine archetype because mothers are supposed to be safe spaces. Mothers are supposed to be the place you can go and kind of shut the world out um, and no one can hurt you there. It's it's rare to see an instance, it, maybe at this time, maybe 40 years ago, maybe not so much now, I think movies have toyed with that idea a lot more. But at the time, the idea that a woman could be capable of killing people was so far-fetched um, because the idea is that women aren't designed to do that. Men are more aggressive and men are more likely to do that. Like. Look yeah. At serial killer profiles. Well,
1: and that was the thing it was like from this movie they it got bashed because it was it was being very misogynistic and it was just taking this like tone where it was like violence against women. But then it but when I, you actually look at it, it's like it's a woman against woman. Like it's like that That's where it's like, this whole thing is very... Yeah, it's it's but Finland, it was, But it it's, was
0: written by a man and directed by a man. Yeah. And that's where the stance is, I think, is this idea of misogyny. And one of the things that I looked at when I was kind of researching this movie a little bit before the podcast was... Um, one of the things that was looked at is, yes, the boys were killed off, but they were killed off very quickly. Like, they really didn't have to suffer in any way so the boys were dispatched fast and then the girls were chased um they usually had to bleed to death there was some incredibly painful or slower way in which they would die um that's where that misogyny argument springs forth it's like why are you basically torturing the girls in the movie but
1: the the interesting thing that i found was it's all in the perception of the viewer absolutely and and that's where it's like where I watch this movie and I see the girls. I see that as a stronger, like like a stronger uh, point than than uh, you. Know, oh, it's misogynistic. It's like the men couldn't last as long as the the female. The survivor girl Alice went like even though like the the killer was a woman. It's like she still fought and survived and like the end like she ended up living for like another two months i think it was Um, yeah
0: until inexplicably jason showed up yeah that
1: that's in part two but we'll get into that later but that's what i'm saying it's like so she ended up surviving but it's like so if you look at it that way where it's just like we in a way they're kind of empowering girls and it's like when you're looking at a movie and you're watching a girl being chased by a killer your first reaction is oh no she has to get away like so you're you're pulling for that that character mm-hmm. and so it's you're wanting that survival and you're want, like so it's the empowerment plus you're actually like on the her side there are movies where as we you know watched before where it's just like oh my god just just kill them like you don't Zombies care like yeah it's just there's it's, a lot of those it's just whatever and it's just like it, like so there are female characters but it's like we've never like sat there and gone oh that's misogynistic because you know they're making their female characters terrible
0: yeah this is there's a reason why the final girl trope is repeated so often and there are reasons why that it is so successful is because it it's not that. It's, yeah, there's, you can argue for, it's usually nudity for the male gaze. It's usually, you know, naked women in a lot of these. You don't, occasionally you see a man without a shirt on, but you, you're never going to see a full frontal on a dude in movies like this. It's always yeah. a girl uh, in various stages of undress, even all the way down to her underwear.
1: And to be honest, I don't, I, don't care, I don't care how good a man looks. It's seeing a man full frontal is never, never appealing. Seeing a woman full frontal, it's like okay, like and uh, yeah, yeah. This is coming from a man, but at the same time, women can also. It's like women look so much better than men, unless you're like Brad Pitt or you know well, Jason was, Momoa. Well, it's like, d- I
0: mean, okay, come on. I mean,
1: I mean, I'm taking some Ewan McGregor, but that he's got. I, I feel like he would have like dad bod. Like I don't, I don't see it's him fine. as like. I'm all for it, but it's still... You're on the dad bod. It's <laughs> still... It,
0: well, I mean, to be fair, the, the penis isn't exactly the prettiest thing to look at.
1: That's what I'm saying. It's and like, so in.
0: there's that part of it. But it's the this double standard of... Okay, we can see women in their underwear. We can see women fully nude, and that's acceptable in an R-rated movie. But the minute you show a penis, boom, X rating. What...
1: Well, I, I kind of feel like it's, uh, in the same way, uh, like with like Japanese porn where it's like, they have to blur out like any type of like penetration because like that, that's the no, no. It's like,
0: yeah, that's the no, no. Forget <laughs> the fact that it's a tentacle or something. Yeah. But don't watch the pen. Okay.
1: Yeah, no, I know. But it, it's, it's, it's weird that it's what like a yeah,
0: weird cultural thing to do. It is.
1: It's very weird. Um, yeah. But like with horror movies, when you see like a full, man, like you know, full frontal male, it is uh, like when it does happen, it's very uh, at a distance, and it's. But when you, when it when you see it, it's kind of throws you off.
0: Well, yeah, a good example of that is Killian um, Murphy yeah, in Twenty Eight Days Later. I was just thinking that it's the opening of the movie, and the camera's pulling back, and then you're like, that is a that is a naked man.
1: That is a penis.
0: Yeah, and it just sort of. It's not something you see all the time so it does throw you but it's a vulnerability thing because he was laid out in a yeah. hospital bed
1: now uh, also too, one thing that they are like like women are sexy like that is the thing is like they're much prettier than you it is there it's way a, it's, easier on the ends. it's a sex driven thing where it's uh, the way that you guys dress is very you know like well some girls especially like girls in horror movies where it's very <laughs> it's provocative and it's like so like there, like there's and one of the girls in um i believe it was in we just got done watching uh friday uh friday the 13th part two and one of the girls in there literally has like this shirt it's a long sleeve shirt but under boob but it's a crop top and it goes right to the bottom of her tits and i'm like that's not a shirt i was like ma'am
0: that's a handkerchief
1: i was like your mother would be furious (laughs)
0: yeah and that's what i mean and her
1: ass is hanging out of shorts which
0: and that's what i mean is this is this is all put together because those are all things by design those are not something the actresses are picking out for themselves not generally so these movies tend to be designed for the male gaze but there is a lot in especially friday part one for even a teenage girl to kind of be drawn into because you have Alice, who's our heroine, and she's very pretty, but she's not your stereotypical beauty queen. Um, her hair is very short. She's not overly feminine in any way. Um, she's very covered up, um, which it's, says
1: it's very white bread
0: that's the that's the word for her is bland is white bread yeah she's really no other real way to describe her it's not necessarily because it's not because of the way she's dressed or anything that's just the character has no personality
1: yeah it's just it's there i mean there's the scene where uh so like it's just started raining uh Two of th- one of the couples is off in the cabin, like in another cabin, uh, getting busy, and then like another guy, they're saying like, oh, he's he's probably off like doing something else, and so but they're like, oh, you know, like the it's her, it's Alice, and I think it's it's Alice, Bill, Bill,
0: and um, uh, I, I forget the girl's name. name. It was Brenda.
1: Brenda. So Brenda comes up with the idea. She's like, oh, let's play Monopoly. Alice is like, oh, I hate that game. It's the worst. And she's like, oh, not the way. Brings is like, not the way I play right. it. And she's like, we're going to do strip Monopoly. And, like, so it becomes this thing where it's like, Alice is like, ooh, awesome. Like, I'm in. So it kind of opens up that she does have a side that she's. she's not a prude. Exactly. Like, where she's like, uh, I'm not, the, like, uh, you know, most, like, survivor girls that are just very closed off or, like, sheltered or anything like that. She's like. No, let's go. Like, I'm ready to take my clothes off. Well, Jamie and- Lee
0: Curtis in Halloween was the same way. Where yeah. She was just like, yeah, pass the joint. She. I don't think that fully buttoned up, ultra puritanical version of the final girl came until after this movie. I think that came a little bit later. I think that was more coming with, like, Nancy in Nightmare than anything else.
1: I could see that for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and that's where, it's like, just having that good girl or the... Just very uh, closed or secure, or like um, in Scream, um, having what's uh, Sydney? Sydney, uh, s- same thing. Like, we're all like she was, I mean, she was kind of closed off because, like, you know, of all the stuff that happened to her family, but like, you could say, it, like, in just her clothing, where she has like these like she's covered in like over like clothes that just don't fit her and she's like there's a couple of scenes where it's like you could tell like she's a little bit more fashion forward, but like most of the time like she's just like in comfy clothes because it's like she's trying to keep
0: she's hiding yeah
1: she's hiding something and that's
0: one of the things that sort of got kicked off in this movie is this some people want to attribute it to halloween but it really wasn't halloween that did it 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 really was friday the 13th um, is the sex equals death thing. And uh, a lot of that is because of the vet- vendetta that Mrs. Voorhees was on, where it's like the counselors were off having filthy sex when they should have been watching him having, you know, should have been watching my, my Jason
1: in the lake, and they didn't. Well, I mean, it's... it's that is a hard one to, to debate because, I mean, there were the scenes in Halloween where they're, you know, drinking and having sex in the sheriff's house um but
0: the i think friday is the one where it really is driven home because it's said out loud it's explicit that this is her motivator is dirty teenagers were off getting were off having a good time while my son was drowning in the lake yeah
1: it's like if you like it's like you weren't doing your job you were out having sex you were you know smoking smoking the devil's grass and then you know, drinking the devil's juice.
0: Y'all need Jesus.
1: <laughs> oh, praise the Lord! There's a fire. Um, but that's the thing is, like, with this film, it's in, intriguing that like almost every like I mean, it sparked this movement in horror movies and slasher movies that it, like it. We we call it the slasher paint by numbers. Where it's like you, you're running through the woods. Oh, someone falls and they trip or they're it's, running uphill. it's drafted
0: they... off of Friday the 13th mostly. Yeah. It's a little bit of Halloween and a little bit Texas Chainsaw, but mostly Friday.
1: And and I'm actually, you know, we've actually come to say lately on the podcast that for slasher movies, you know, everything comes from Black Christmas. Like that's, that movie really kind of spawned a lot of those little Tropes, or it's just like the who done it, and then like you know, just a lot of the stuff with like the camera angles with like slashers. Like it, a lot of horror movies today take like that. That is the granddaddy.
0: Yeah, it's weird that black and Black Christmas gets pushed under the rug so much. It's like Bob Clark really nailed this uh, formula for these movies, and like I said, Friday the Thirteenth is sort of a poor man's version of that. Um, but. What I think is really funny is a lot of people are like, oh, this is very telling of the Reagan era and the rise of conservatism and all this other stuff. This movie came out when Jimmy Carter was still in office. Reagan was running, but that rise in the conservatism and the Alex P. Keaton style of person that didn't happen for another few years. Um, that really didn't start happening until Reagan's second term, and this was this movie came out when a Democrat was still in office. So you can't really blame it on like the Republican, uh, religious right kind of thing because that wasn't a thing yet. Like that hadn't really even kicked off.
1: Yeah, and that it was. It's weird because it's like he, you know, Cunningham was just. He was just making a movie. He didn't give a shit. Like, he was just right. putting it out.
0: Yeah. And then How it's many like, people can I kill in this movie? And that's really it.
1: So, it's like when a lot of those movies, when, like, he just, you know, was trying to get just artsy-fartsy with it, and it's like going back and watching a lot of movies nowadays where it's just like they always bring up something that really has, like, something that comes with t- at the time. So, it's like... Uh, you know, with The Purge, it was like, you know, there was like a big political standpoint and things like that. Or it's like uh, when you have like movies like Get Out and it has like a racial standpoint uh, or, or racial message and things like that. Uh, it, you know, kind of like of the time and people really try to dive down deep. Now, those movies have something to say cunningham did not he was like i'm just killing people that's it i'm telling a story about a mother well we don't know it's a story about a mother until the very end of the movie and it's that's it like so it's like we were like oh that's the reason why and but at the same time it's like the whole movie we're just like fucking everyone's dying like, like Who's okay bumping
0: all these kids off yeah, yeah. That's,
1: that's it that's all we get
0: yeah and it honestly isn't anything more than that um, in most of the movies that have some sort of message it's usually pretty glare like there's always something on the surface that hints at it this is hack and slash man yeah. this is all about blood well it's supposed to be about blood the once we uh, finish up here with some sponsor stuff let's get into the special effects and the Tom Savini bits sure and we're back. So one of the things that Friday the 13th as a whole has a reputation for is the gore, the kills, the special effects. Friday the 13th part 1 was pretty milk toast with those. Yeah. All of it. Tom Savini is an absolute fucking wizard. And he's done some amazing work over the years, especially his work with Romero and Robert Rodriguez and
1: those sorts of things. However, he's just an icon and a legend in his own. Like I mean, I love watching like documentaries and things like that. It's Sure, a- a- and he also
0: answer. he's a horror actor sometimes too. Yeah, when the mood fantastic. Strikes. However, whether it was due in part to like the MPAA having hair crossed their ass because they're just coming off of the 70s exploitation films or what the There wasn't a lot of gore, and the kills were mostly either implied or completely off screen. Um, The amount of blood in this movie, especially compared to later ones, is pretty minimal. The uh, the probably one of the more in-your-face scenes, I guess, for lack of a better term, is the Kevin Bacon death, where they drive the killers under the bed and drives the arrow up through his neck. That's probably the bloodiest one. And it's really the only one I can think of offhand where you um, actually see, where you see the kill happen. You see the arrow drive up through his neck. Yes. All of the others have these quick cuts. So your brain sort of fills in the gaps.
1: Or, uh, like, there's the one with uh, with uh, Steve Christie where he walks up and he's like, oh, hey, what are you doing out here? You know, talking to the killer. And he obviously knows who that person is Mm -hmm. and then they just they stab him and all we don't see the actual penetration we know that he's getting stabbed in the stomach but the camera is just cut above and you're getting his his face reaction um so i mean like there's that uh and then like later when alice is running through and steve christie's body like falls dangling. You can see where he's got like the stab wound in the middle. Um, like, and that, that's but it. Again,
0: it's a really quick shot. Yeah, uh, That's where, what a lot of these end up being is it, it's, I think initially when it was put up to the MPAA, it got an X rating and a lot of the good stuff that us horror fans look for was trimmed away because they had to get a rating. If you got an X rating which is the equivalent of our current NC17. At the time, you were DOA. You weren't making any money. Yeah. And chances are good you were either going to be well, this was I think pre-VHS, but the you were being shelved.
1: And I absolutely love seeing that where there where you know, back, like in any type of like interview or you know Q and A that these like Tom Savini or any any of the creators have to go through, and they talk about it. it's like oh we were you know we send out the movie and then they send it back and go nope nope can't use it like it's not gonna work and then they have to like cut it back cut it back cut yeah. it back and it's like now nowadays it's like all the shit that we can get away with and it's just comparatively like, yeah oh my god like uh, like and I would love to have someone from the past like from the eighties watch, like, from that time frame, watch a movie from our time frame watch and be Hostel like... Watch Hostel and see what Yeah, be like, what the fuck? How did this get released? And like, this, I
0: think, is right before Diodato was doing Cannibal Holocaust. I think that came out the following year. Yeah. So, there really wasn't... There really wasn't anything that was super in-your-face gory. The 70s had a lot of exploitation and grindhouse movies, which were. And then the jello of italy they were very um there was a lot of blood but it was technicolor blood so it was weird it just it didn't read they the could, same they got
1: away with it they kind of like a, it a weird because it was an around.
0: unnatural color i think was one of the reasons why they kind of got away with it a little bit more
1: possibly and um, i think in like italy it was definitely a lot more like it was very lax
0: well yeah um
1: um it's just kind of like you know like germans with their sex and it's they're okay with it it's like everyone's everyone's all right um
0: yeah and i think it's the same thing yeah it's probably the same thing where it's just different cultures different attitudes um as much as most americans don't want to admit it there's still very heavy undercurrents of our puritan background still running through our culture um they just manifest itself in some really weird ways but this was uh the start friday the 13th was one of the starts of the pushback on a lot of that um Plus most of the stuff in the 70s, even the stuff that went mostly mainstream um, like Last House on the Left and The Exorcist, those sorts of things, um, I still don't understand how they got away with it, but they, I I don't know. It was just, they did some, they somehow managed to work around a lot of it and they were sort of the oddballs because a lot of that stuff was way underground still. Um, and I think if it wasn't for the fact that, uh, The Exorcist was done by the same man who did, I think he did The French Connection, and he had done, um, you know, William Peter Blatty was the writer and stuff like that, I don't think it would have done anywhere near as
1: well. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's the thing is, like, there's always those movies that are the gateways into, like, opening up Mm -hmm. those avenues in order to get, like, those type of like criterias out and Friday the 13th was definitely one of those films whether or not you know Cunningham was meaning to do it that way which from it Indiana's was a happy accident yeah I think. I think it was more of like yeah they started a franchise be based off of you know m- you know money 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 but at the same time it's like it created this lore and it created this and this this Paint by number structure for more movies than what they really uh, you know are uh, accredited to. Well,
0: yeah. If you look at what Friday the Thirteenth did, despite the fact that most of the kills were implied or off-screen, uh, there was very little gore. Um, you know, you got Marcy with poor Marcy with the axe to the head kind of thing, but that was really the most seriously like off-putting one. Um, they really, with the different cuts and stuff like that, mostly allowing your imagination to do the work, it did open things up for the slasher movies to become more over-the-top as time went on. So the kills got more outlandish and things became gorier and shit just started to get real weird. Um, you get stuff like Sleepaway Camp where they throw the trans element in there and then you get... Um, some of the some of the weirdo shit like Cronenberg was doing um, with The Fly, which is you know, critically acclaimed it, it made a ton of money, but it was still really weird uh, a lot of the shit that Carpenter was doing um, it, if it wasn't for Cunningham take, getting this movie out and taking the risk that he did I don't think Wes Craven would have had any shot in hell of getting Nightmare made by anybody um, even Bob Shea, if there wasn't a precedent because of, like, Friday the 13th and a couple of the other slashers that came before him, there's
1: just no way. I think, like, Bob Shea and those guys, because they are very business-oriented, they were trying to see, like, well, they, they have to see those dollar numbers first off, and, yeah, because of, you know, Halloween and Friday the 13th... But they...
0: Yeah, it they... G- s- it
1: gave them the, the A-OK, because, like, oh, there's a market for that.
0: There is a market for that, but it's also... they were also the templates to show... Uh, studios that you can make these movies f- on a fucking shoestring. Like, both Halloween and Friday the 13th were made for about half a million. No, it was about half a million for Friday and, like, 350000 for Halloween. So, like, these movies were being ma- made for next to nothing, and they were banking like crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: You're making back a 100 times your budget.
1: Well, they're... And, I mean, and the main thing is, like, it's it's all, you know, teenagers and kids. I mean, it's, like... It's the guy is going to go see the movie and then they're like, oh, like, oh, this is crazy, like, you know, crazy scary. I'm going to go bring the girlfriend. And then it's like, oh, like, then we're going to bring your friends. And it's like, it's like they just continuously repeat and see very,
0: It's very culty. And it it starts to drive people in that way. Um, But a lot of these movies hinged on either not having a name, like nobody had a name, so therefore they were cheap because they were either actors on the upswing... Like they were brand new to the industry, and this is sort of them cutting their teeth, or they were actors on the downslope, and they kind of have already long since peaked, but they still have bills to pay. Betsy Palmer, and you can get them for a pretty good
1: price. So, and that's how the it all movie it didn't on. take them that long to film, anyways. Yeah,
0: few, I think about a month.
1: Yeah, I think it was uh, more of the like some of the like the special effects that that was the stuff that took them the longest to do i think they got a lot of like the you know random bullshitty scenes uh out up and out of the way fairly early on like i think they got you know most of them done within like i mean
0: if we're being honest a lot of the scenes in this movie were kind of bullshitty like do we really need to watch alice make instant coffee
1: no oh my god they were they were padding the scene so this, much this is film. what
0: we call stretching the runtime oh
1: my god like yeah. there were so many times where we we're just like all right there i was like like i i would just turn to you and go padding mm-hmm. padding
0: or marcy in the padding. mirror doing her Catherine hepburn impression before she brushed her teeth like, that sort of shit. Like, do we really need to see Marcy brush her teeth? Like, let's get to know these people. Why are you showing us, like, stupid bullshit? I'm getting ready for bed. Like, no. Like, give us something to grab onto. I mean,
1: granted, it's like, yeah, Marcy was was just about to get, you know, get got. But, uh, like, there was other characters and stuff that were there that uh, I was like, that I was like, oh, I totally forgot about that guy. It's like, he was one of the first first kills. Uh, he was on the, the dock. And oh yeah.
0: the, the prankster guy, whatever yeah, the, his name was. Yeah, like not important.
1: That, that's what I'm saying. It's like it's it always felt like and if I didn't have the list of names in front of me right now, it was Ned. I had I had I' have no idea as to what these characters are because they were just that like in and out of your brain. Alice is the only one because she's the last one. Everybody else, even like Kevin Bacon's character, I don't even I didn't even know his name. I always just called him Kevin because, it's like, Jack, but that, yeah. that's what I'm talking about. It's like I had no idea that that's what his name was but for that's the, the longest problem time. With a lot
0: of these characters is they're not super memorable, except for whoever the survivor is, and um, unless there's some sort of like pro wrestling ending, like the end of part two, where they just give you some bullshit. So unless there's some like janky pro wrestling finish to the to the movie. You're not even really going to remember the the survivor. There's nothing about these people that sticks in your brain after you take the movie out or you change the channel.
1: For this movie, Betsy Palmer is the most memorable character in this entire film.
0: Because she stole every scene she was in.
1: She was that good and she just took you in from the moment she walked on the screen. And she's only in it for... Five minutes, maybe. Yeah, if that. And, it, like, so all the kids that are in this film, they're believable as kids, but at the same time, they don't give you anything. And it's... In a weird way, it doesn't work. As, like, we're with, uh, you know, like, Black Christmas. we like, you know, if we want to kind of compare it to that. All the girls... In that film, even though they were technically, you know, cannon fodder, you still got some type of backstory to make you understand who that person was. Or
0: personality. Even, Even in Halloween, Carpenter took the time to give you something about the people you were dealing with it's like there's annie and her dad's the sheriff and it's like you can kind of start parsing things together about their relationship by watching their interactions throughout the movie and then there's or, Lori and yeah. her family and the way she interacts with her friends and like these are people they the way they behave like they've clearly been friends for a long time but in friday the 13th you're alice and steve christie knew each other because they had like sort of an on and off relationship um, and then there was, she had a thing. I read an, I read in an article somewhere she had a thing with Bill, but that wasn't super obvious in the movie at all.
1: It, it like it was it's, weird because like he was, because he was he was the one playing the strip poker with him, and, strip he, monopoly? and or strip monopoly, and he was losing badly.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Oh, or him and
0: and Brenda both and yeah. Brenda
1: were losing, but. Uh, it, like you could tell like he had like a little bit of a thing, but it wasn't.
0: There was a cr- obvious. There was a crush, but there was nothing that seemed to be. There was nothing screaming at me that these two had some sort of like real connection. Yeah. Um, but essentially, it's like you. It's like the real world. You get to throw a bunch of strangers together and see what happens. And it didn't. It didn't. If anyone's been paying attention up until this point, listening to this podcast. Um. I'm very character driven. I want to get to know the people I'm watching on screen, even if it is a shitty slasher movie, you know, blood and guts kind of thing. Like I want to have at least some kind of reason to care about them, even if it's something shoehorned into it like I'm a single mom or for just as like an or an offhandy comment or something. Give me something, anything, literally anything to make me give shit about About the people I'm watching or to make me feel the danger. Because if I don't have a connection to the person I'm watching on screen when the killer's coming for them, why am I afraid for them? I don't get – I don't get the – I don't get that for Alice at all. Um,
1: Yeah, Alice, I mean, like, once you actually get into, like, like like the whole – holy shit, like, it's her – type of situation yeah like there is a moment of like like oh no like i like you have that panic uh you know kind of moment for but it's not it's not earned it's just more of like uh like you are now in that moment with her because now you finally know who the killer is
0: and she's the last one that's really the only reason why
1: that's it so in other horror movies when you get uh, a lot of those survivor girls you end up having the uh, male counterpart that's also on that journey with them or uh, as an example uh I know you did last summer you know you had you know your final girl but then also the guy that was with her and they were trying to survive Julian Ray Julian Ray and so they were trying to survive against uh, you know the killer At the end, Um, I mean, there's a lot of times where you'll have that kind of pop up, and that is kind of an added into that situation. But as far as for Alice goes, it's it was more of a a, just a storytelling of like she's getting picked off one, or you know, all the kids are getting picked off. She ends up being the last one. The but I think terrifying it's more by chance
0: than anything else. It is.
1: It very much is. It's not
0: skill. It's not luck. It's just she just happens to not be around yeah. when everyone else is getting picked off.
1: Yeah, and that was the thing was it was creepy for this entire film knowing that, or that no one had any idea that anything was happening. Like that's the scariest part of this whole movie. They were
0: so oblivious to the fact that people were dropping like flies around them. Yep. No clue.
1: And uh, you know, Mrs. Voorhees was leaving them around the camp. Mm-hmm. Like there was a scene Hidden where, yeah, you know, where, sure. where Jack is getting busy uh, with his girlfriend while it's raining. Uh, they have to have a, a candle on because there's no. They didn't have the the generator on, um, and so they they're you know on this bottom bunk. Making love And the camera pans up And one of the first kills is in the top bunk With his throat slashed
0: Yeah and Ned's completely killed off screen You don't even know he's dead till you see the body
1: That And that's where it's like oh my god Like he's there And it, that's terrifying
0: Kinda It didn't hit me that way though Because it, it was more like what happened to it, you
1: It's more terrifying Because like again you have to step back into that The way way back machine And just kind of put yourself into that that mode we are so desensitized now where it's just like we sit there and we look at him like what the fuck like dude like like you just we just like all you the last time we saw you went hey what's going on can i help you and then like then the camera cuts and goes to the next scene we don't get like this whole thing of like him going oh no or any of that it's just hey how's it going and then next scene um, it's not like with Steve Christie where he's like, "Hey, how's it going? Like, can I help you?" Like, and then he gets stabbed in the stomach. You actually see him, to a degree, getting know, stabbed in the stomach. I don't stomach. know if
0: it was supposed to be part of ramping up tension, or if it was just meant to kind of spook the audience, or what. But the Ned in the upper bunk thing didn't work for me because I'm like.
1: It, it worked. When for, did
0: you die? It, That's usually my first yeah. thought. Is like, what happened to you, and when? When? It,
1: what did I miss? It worked for me because of the situation of just like they are so close to death and they have no idea, and then out of nowhere, you know, he ends up you know dying anyways. And it's like she's under the, the, the bed, he, the whole time, like right. Like,
0: Listening to them have sex on top
1: she's, of her. <laughs> exactly. Like, she's under the bed while they're having sex, and she's just waiting. And then by chance, she, or like she happens to have an arrow already ready to go, primed and ready to go. And also, the fact that she, they could get an arrow under a bunk bed like, and like, you know, the, the leverage and just that thrust. And it's like,
0: there's not a lot of space under there. Yeah.
1: It's like, man, it's like, that's, that's impressive.
0: Especially with the body under it.
1: Yeah. And those mattresses, they, they sink. Like they don't, they don't really hold. It's just like, and so she had to get through the mattress plus body. And it's just like with the, with the, that arrow must've been fairly long. And it's just like thinking of the physics, it's like, okay, I'm just destroying this thing. And you have yeah. to just it's really suspend pick your apart. disbelief.
0: Well, that's another reason it makes you think it's probably a man is because of the force. You don't think of a woman having enough strength in her upper body to put that force behind it to work up through through the mattress. Which is kind of a flimsy mattress anyway, but you're still fighting through it's still, fluff and yeah. fabric through somebody's skin up through, and it came up almost dead center. So I'm like, so does she have to go through his spine too? Like, she really had to give it some oomph to get up there. So that was another reason why you could potentially be thinking it's a man just because of the amount of force needed to get that gag done.
1: Yeah. Now, I mean, it, again, it's a very effective gag. Like, it's really cool because it's Yeah, you like, can't
0: pick that apart, though. Mm-mm. It will not stand up scrutiny.
1: Yeah, it's it's bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, so... When we have Ned up on top, that's just creepy because the girl, like, she gets up to walk away and then Jack is still in bed and he's just laying underneath this dead kid.
0: But it, that also kind of helps to disconnect the kids from the audience more because then you realize really how oblivious yeah. these kids are. And then you're like, well, don't, they kind of deserve to die then.
1: And, and that's where that whole, like, I don't give a shit type of mentality. You're, it's like they're dumb. You're waiting for She's, them to die. She
0: stood up. And the, it's not like the bunk is like 10 feet in the air. Like, this thing's by her head.
1: Yeah, I mean, granted, it's dark and there's no light and all the lighting is below her. And, but there's but,
0: a smell.
1: There has to be, yeah. So I Even mean,
0: Fresh Dead has a smell.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, like, that's the thing is like, that was kind of, eh. um And then there's another uh, couple scenes where... It was just the whole thing of where the killer would show up and just be there granted when Mrs. Voorhees is killing them, uh, it's a type of thing where you know she's still it's you know very unassuming and they just like, "Oh hey, how's it going? like can I help you?" And then oh no.
0: Well it's the false sense of security of running into a woman.
1: Yes, but and that's where I think it's as the audience not knowing that it really adds yeah. for that whole level of, like, because when, Mr. when you know, Steve Christie gets it, he get, like, he says, like, it's different from what Ned says because Ned's like, oh, hey, can I help you? Like, he's an employee that's like, oh, I don't know who you are. Can I help you? But
0: Christie knows her.
1: Christie's like, hey, how's it going? Like, he actually says it as, like, oh, like. I
0: haven't seen you in a while. How are yeah. the kids? Yeah.
1: Like, and, like, and that's where it's, like, that first little thing of, like, oh shit, like what, like he knew her or he knew that person. Um, Well, historically,
0: if you want to look at it from this angle, historically women have always been put in the uh, uh, unassuming category. Oh, she would never do that. Women aren't capable of hurting, killing, maiming, whatever. Like they're not capable of the same things that men are. The problem with that is – Every single time a man underestimated a woman, he wound up dead. (laughs) There's a reason why uh, women were able to slip in and out of places very easily, is because no one suspected them of being able to do the harmful things that a a man would normally be assumed to do. There's a reason why poison is called the women's weapon, because it's sneaky and it's unassuming and it's undetectable and this is another one of those cases where mrs Voorhees especially being an older woman it it worked to her advantage because people weren't gonna look at her and go she's suspect they're gonna look at her and be like oh grandma like that's not that they're not gonna assume she's up to something especially because she's so warm and inviting Uh,
1: she has such a good smile yeah and it's just like yeah and like when you first when Alice. Like runs out of the, the you know the cabin, and runs into her. Instantly, she has this thing of like, "Oh, I can help you." Like, "What's wrong, dear?" Like, "Like, don't worry, it's okay." Like, very like very maternal, very maternal. Yeah. And it's, but as an audience member, it's like you're sucking in with them. It's like that. It yeah. Works.
0: You're thinking, "Oh, helps here," and it's it's definitely not.
1: Um, I didn't think that. I knew. Like right when I fir- when Miss Voorhees first showed up on screen, I knew exactly that she was the killer, and the only reason why is because the scene where uh, uh what is it's uh, the first girl that we meet, she used the the yeah, the cook Annie. So Annie, when she gets picked up uh, by the jeep. And she's like, oh, like, I'm just going to Camp Crystal Lake. Like, you know, and that whole conversation that's not actually being a conversation. It's very one-sided. Uh, well, you don't, yeah, you don't
0: get the answers to the questions. No.
1: Um, which I thought was kind of an interesting way of doing it. Um,
0: and he just wouldn't stop talking. So you
1: see the Jeep. And then when Alice runs out of the cabin, boom, the front of the Jeep is there. So I automatically knew... Well,
0: yeah, you have to be paying attention.
1: That's what... I was like, oh, that's the killer. And also, no, too... No,
0: because because Steve Christie drove a Jeep.
1: It, no, but it was that Jeep. Like, that, it was the same Jeep. Um, and then, at the same time, it was so bizarre to have her just show up and Alice just... Like, oh, like... like I mean, she was already frantic and going crazy, but it was just like this woman just happens to just be there and just for for no reason. Like she's not a part of the staff. Like she's not – she's just there. I mean granted, yeah, she's a friend of the Christie's and she could just be oh, I'm just coming to say hi or whatever it is. Whatever the reason is. But I mean it's late. Like it's late at night. There's no reason for her to be there. And so she just happens to show up.
0: Well, yeah, fair enough. But that seems yeah. to be a running but, theme in this movie because yeah. the cops do it at the end too.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll the- we'll talk about the <laughs> the the cops and and why that was kind of weird. But that was the thing was like that kind of like tipped me off as to what it was because like the front of the the jeep was the same, and then why the fuck is this woman there? Um, and then, but at the same time, once she reveals herself, it's she. She plays it up very like soap opera, but then like pulls it back to that almost that realistic crazy and it and it works because like she does that whole thing of like, oh my dear, what happened here? Oh no, And she like runs over to the door and she's like a
0: melodrama <laughs> very yeah. was,
1: like and then like and she's like, a young boy was killed here, and like. Totally goes like right into like Mama boy. It's like, oh, nope, there you go. I, I'm all in. Good for you. Go for it, Mama. Like it's it's there. And the,
0: it, it just makes me sad that one of the things that disappoints me so much about this movie is um how wasted Tom Savini was. Really the only good work I saw of his, like, that was really Prominent was his work on Ari Lehman, who played young Jason. Um, to see him pop out of the lake and to see him uh, sort of silhouetted when he was drowning in the water when they're doing some of the Voorhees flashback scenes. That was really where you got to see what Tom Savini really could do. Um, everything else had been edited to death. And... You got a couple blood gags, but it's not—it's not like the stuff you would see him doing with Romero and everybody else. It, that it, this movie gets touted as being one of Savini's like masterworks, and it's held up in really high regard for the special effects and the makeup. And
1: like it's, it's a lot good. of it.
0: I mean, it's fine, but you're not. The makeup you see in this is not really... Outside of the Jason makeup, it's not really anything you're not going to see at a horror convention, at a con. You yeah. the, You see the, the same things walking, like the slit throat and all that stuff, the little prosthetics, you see a lot of that at conventions that people are doing out of their
1: living rooms now. Yeah, and I mean, it's... Again, trying to, like, step back into the 80s, you know, just no one's really seen that. So it's kind of like... Kind of? That is the big thing. But
0: he had done Dawn of the Dead already, and then the movie he did just after this, um, which is basically ripping on Friday the 13th, like, he passed on doing Friday Part 2 in order to do this movie, and I cannot for the life of me remember the title. But even the makeup in that was better. Like, this was very... blah, Tom Savini. I don't know why it's held in such high regard. I cannot for the life of me figure it out.
1: So for Tom Savini in this film, it's like, you could definitely see, you know, his thumbprint on it. Uh, and a lot of the special effects, uh, there was stuff though, that I felt they were doing just to kind of like, Oh, like we have this gag and we can do this gag. And like, there was the, the scene with, uh, Bill and it, or it's like when Alice finds Bill and he's, you know, stuck up on the door and you can see it's got, you know, the, the arrow in his yeah, eye Yeah, it's a
0: human dartboard. Yeah.
1: And it's just like, like, that's like a whole, like, holy shit moment. But it's, it's very, it's bloody, it's gory. And it's, it's something that I feel like Tom would have been like, Oh, like I want to try that out. Um, and then also like the ax in the face. Yeah. We don't necessarily get to see the ax in, you know, said face, but it's, like, the actual makeup behind it, uh, like, from the aftermath is what we see. And that's still pretty impressive because it's it's going, you know, right down the middle of her face, you know, just passing her eye, So it's, like, it's doing a lot of stuff. But, yes, a lot of that stuff, you can go to Spirit Halloween and get a, a makeup kit and do it up and yourself. I think, I think
0: that's a lot of the problem with us poor jaded horror fans going back in time. Sometimes we can't put modern special effects out of our head, especially because computer animation has come so far, but also because special effects, practical effects, had come in the few years following this movie had grown quite a lot, especially with uh, Kevin Yeager and K&B and uh, Stan Winston a little bit later. Like, those things started... those. Uh, those people started making some real amazing things um and it's not a knock on Savini it's just
1: yeah no Savini's amazing like he's this is just
0: this is just not one of those movies that I would hold up as saying like this is some of his best work because it's not (laughs) no it's
1: it's good work but it's not the best like it's satisfactory yeah it's it's great and it's enjoyable and it's and that's another thing too is that it's in a weird way it's believable and that was something
0: that's part of the simplicity of it though yes
1: and Savini is always uh, like I've seen interviews with him where he's really taking it like because he was a a war vet and like he like would see he was a Vietnam photographer yeah he was a yeah so I mean it was like he would see all the gruesomeness of war and so he could actually you know like imagine like what a body would look like doing this. And well, he like, didn't so, have
0: to imagine. He's he knew.
1: No, no. I'm saying like when he created stuff, like it, like when he was going through a process, like he's like, okay, this is what's going to happen to the body when it, and like so, he actually had an understanding, and that really elevated like a lot of his work uh, later on. Um, but I mean, that was the thing was for this movie. I think they ha- they were on a budget. And there was also a couple of little gags, they worked. It was believable, but it, again, it's not. It's not the best. It's not. Right. You know, it's not what I like. Dawn of the Dead, I see being higher than Friday the Thirteenth. By far,
0: yeah, and some of the stuff he did after this yeah. was, was great. Even
1: with the green blue skin, like it's like there's still the makeup effects are still yeah. ten times better. And I
0: don't I don't want to keep beating this horse; it's dead. <laughs> um, yeah. But I just I'm really getting sick of people talking about how gory this movie is, yeah. and I'm like, I think you're misremembering because this was not. <laughs> yeah.
1: Now, uh, one thing that I always like to do, uh, you know, going forward, like with all of our shows, is. I want to find out, like, what your favorite kill is, but I want to find out what your least favorite kill is. Hmm. Like, what kill fell flat? Like, I want to hear, like, what one you, like, were, like, happy with, like, you know, most happy with, and then one that was just like, eh, that one didn't do it so much for me.
0: Uh, I really liked Annie's hers was the most believable of the bunch um hers was also the most tense because hers was sort of um an abduction too Mm -hmm. uh so that added an extra layer of intensity to it because she's thinking she's hitching a ride and she's like hey there's a turnoff for camp crystal lake and then the driver floors it and keeps going and even goes faster uh to the point where Annie has to do the tuck and roll and try to run off into the woods and just the poor baby doesn't make it. Um, but hers is, is great because it's, you're dealing with the abduction and then it's really a simple one. She just gets her throat slashed, but it's still gruesome enough because she does that big inhale. Mm-hmm. And then as she does the exhale, the blood starts pouring out. And the timing of that is beautiful. Like it's really, really well done. And she looks like she's about to cry and she just hits the emotion really well. It, everything about that's really well done. Um, as far as my least favorite goes, uh, I don't know, this one's a toughie. I don't much love the way that uh, Mrs. Voorhees was dispatched and it's not because she was beheaded, that's fine. It was because her head comes off and then the hands come up and start groping around for the head like the head's gone, yep. like the body doesn't believe there's no longer a head attached to it. That was really silly, uh, yep. and I was not a very big fan of that at
1: all. I don't. And know it's what... and it's man hands, like they're like.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. It didn't... was his.
0: It's pretty well documented that it was Tom Savini's uh, helper, or partner, or whatever his name was, Tasso, who was in the sweater and doing that gag. And uh, a lot of people said, oh, hairy knuckles and stuff like that. I was like, I didn't see hair on the knuckles, but they were definitely
1: like meaty You could tell they were man hands. Um, But the whole
0: gag in general just didn't... It just didn't hit right. It felt weird.
1: Yeah, no, I I would say that the... uh, Like, that that was probably my least favorite uh, just because it was the The buildup was really cool, and I like where you like you know you saw like Mrs. Voorhees like freaking out like oh shit machete's coming to my noggin. Well, part of it too is because she was such a sympathetic
0: villain that it was really hard to be happy that she was dead.
1: Yeah, um, it was like
0: oh another portrait. <laughs> this woman died. She lived her life with a tragedy for twenty years, and then
1: died with man hands.
0: Yeah, unfortunate.
1: Um, like that. That was probably my least favorite as well. Um, but my favorite kill. I would actually say I would go with the Annie, but Annie bugged me and, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. But uh, I think my favorite kill, uh, the setup for it was the uh, Marcy. Um, just because I, I do like where it's just that, that isolated, uh, you know, situation where it's, it's just the one girl, uh, she's in the bathroom. You know, getting getting ready for bed or whatever, uh, getting ready for a shower. But then this whole thing of like, somebody there, and just that, like, it sets the audience on edge because Marcy or
0: Brenda, Marcy, Marcy. Okay, you're talking about the axe. Okay,
1: yeah, the axe, and then like, you know, I kind of wish that we did get to see the axe in the face. And I know that that Savini probably had something already set ready to go like but it was
0: filmed but it was cut that's
1: what I'm saying I wish we would have gotten that but uh, I just like but actually seeing the axe in the face that's probably one of the more gruesome deaths because it's very very vicious mm-hmm. um and so but it was because it like the whole thing of her you know ripping the the shower curtains back and you're just waiting for somebody just pop out from behind it and it, it never happens. And then all of a sudden, like she turns around, and then you can see where she's like, "No!" Like she like clenches to, you know, brace for whatever is about to happen. It cuts, and then it goes back, and then she gets the axe in the face, and it's like that's that's pretty satisfying for me. So
0: why did Annie bug you?
1: I could not stand the way she talked when you first met her. Because she was so like sunny and happy and lucky, or Uh Annie, the way that she talked just bugged me, and just, just because it was just too bubbly and it was too upbeat, and it just didn't feel <laughs> it, like I didn't feel natural at first. But then it's like, for if someone was actually that bubbly, it's like, oh my god, like you are on this other level of just positivity that, you know, needs to be out in the world because... God,
0: you're such a fucking cynic.
1: It's, it's bad. Well, no, like, it's just... It's weird because it's, like... So, when she gets into town, she, again, it's... She's... It's fine. And she's like, hey, guys, like, you know, like, can anybody help me out? I'm trying to get Camp Crystal. Like, and automatically the town is just... Like, why are you going to go there? No, nope. like, like, oh, like... And they're just, like, kind of shutting her off and she's, like, <laughs> blowing her off. But then, like, the trucker that decides like oh like okay i'll give you a ride sweetie don't don't worry and she's like okay thanks and like bounces like all right let's go let's like just again too much like a lot of energy she's like a puppy very much like she's a little chihuahua and so she gets in the truck and like as they're walking to the truck the trucker hits on her he's like wow you're a pretty girl huh like and she's like, oh, thanks, alright. And like just gets in the truck with him. And then like as they're driving down, he's just like he starts, he's like, Oh, like, so you don't know the stories? And she's like, oh, what do you mean? And he's like, Oh, like, you know, about Camp Blood. And he's like trying to warn her. And she's like, Oh, that's just some silly superstitions, and just like Yeah. And he's like, he's <laughs> like Oh, you got you kids are all the same. You guys are all just stupid. And She's like, Oh, I don't think we're all stupid. And, just, like, and, like, and he's like, Oh, you like? And he, and he goes back into calling her stupid, mm. and then she just like smiles, and then just like <laughs> like it just keeps on going, and then that's when like she gets out of the car, and he drops her off out at a graveyard. Yeah, and,
0: that's not foreshadowing. No, all
1: this, really. but then like as she's like walking down, then she ends up getting picked up by what is to be Mrs. Voorhees. and she's like going on this like. Oh hi, how you doing? Like oh yeah, I'm just I'm gonna be the cook. I can't believe I you know I just love kids. Kids are the best. Like I just like it just goes on and on and I'm like oh my god, somebody just kill her. Somebody kill her. Like I can't dig the bubbliness anymore. It's just ridiculous. And then like it then the mode turns, and I actually enjoy that kill scene because of like where everything turns where she's like oh like you missed my turn. And then the panic mode where, like...
0: Yeah, she starts to really get what the danger is. Yeah,
1: and it's like, that... Then it's like, oh, like, the bubbliness, like, like leaves her and stuff like that. But it's just, like, everything leading up to it. She's the one character that you get more out of Mm -hmm. the entire movie... And it's one of those, She's like... She's one of
0: the only fucking characters you connect with in this.
1: And that's what I'm saying. I'm like, oh, my God. But it's just that bubbliness. It's just, like...
0: Mostly because she wouldn't shut up. Oh, my
1: God. Like, yeah. It's like, oh, you're just the chihuahua. You're oh.
0: so broken, though. You don't like her because she was so sunny and happy and bubbly. It was,
1: it was too much. And what she was saying, it didn't feel like that would be something that a normal person would say in those situations where if somebody literally came out and called you dumb you're not just gonna go <laughs> like smile and then just like brush it off you're gonna like address what they say and she's like yeah i don't think we're that dumb," and like just moving on no fuck that like that's that i, I can't It was too much too early. And
0: too fakey.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Too much too early. Like dial it back a little bit going through it. But that was the thing is like I think Cunningham the way that he had his actor like when they had to act it was very kind of soap opera and dramatic because like Alice did it at the end when the cops like pull her out and like she's like what about the boy? You
0: have Jason. You have to remember though that these mostly were stage actors, and yeah. that's a different kind of acting than being on screen. No, so yeah,
1: and I'm not I'm not faulting them for it, but it's like if it, I'm if I'm critiquing the movie, it reads weird. Yeah. It does. It reads very weird because it's like at that the end scene where it's like, but the boy, what about the boy?
0: Did Tinny fall in the well?
1: Yeah, and he's like, we didn't find any boy. We only pulled you out of the lake. And, then he's still there. Dun, dun, dun. Right. Zoom Wait. in on the lake. The
0: the hook ending. Yeah, yeah that really cuz you're thinking, "Oh, it's a dream. It's a dream." Like she was so shook up, she was hallucinating and she wakes up in the hospital after she thinks she was pulled into the lake by somebody. And um I don't know. It's kind of that like Dallas ending where Patrick Duffy's in the shower and the whole thing was in her head. I don't know. But what was your skull rating on this guy?
1: I had to bet around, like, I had to, like, really sit on it. Um,
0: Yeah, I'm glad we had a couple nights to think about it before we did this.
1: I, the more I thought about it, I'm going to give it a, I think I'm going to give this one a 2.5. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty low, um, mainly because it is such a. It's again it's a classic, but it's such an A to B movie that doesn't really give you a whole lot other than it's just a, like the thought of of a who done it and and then right when you get to the end you finally get the big reveal. Now, Mrs Voorhees is the standout for me. Like I absolutely, as everyone does love mrs Voorhees, like she's fantastic i just love that that big smile that she gives and then like even like just that crazy kill look her, that whole kill thing her. is so good um i absolutely love the fact that they did the the k- k- mama uh and that's you know where jason's telling her kill mom um i i absolutely love that like it was such a good little thing the fact that they took from it kind of felt like a mashup of different movies. It kind of felt a little lazy, but at the same time, he was just writing a movie just to write a movie. He wasn't trying to like make anything that was like super in depth. Um, and it just happened to just spawn a franchise by mistake. Um, right, but
0: you, not often do you see that something. Takes off the way that it does it totally by accident.
1: The reason that I'm another reason that I'm giving it a 2.5 is the ending. I absolutely hated, well, not hated is, is a strong word. Um, I disliked the ending because it was very confusing. Uh, and the same thing with Friday, uh, part two. But that one was even more confusing. Um, but the whole thing of, like, Jason popping out of the water at the end after, you know, Mrs. Voorhees saying, like, oh, my, my son drowned and everything like that. It was never said that, you know, he died. She said that he drowned. And, I mean, I guess he he could always survive afterwards. But at the same time, why would she go on a murdering spree? You know, it was...
0: Well, that's, that's why initially yeah. it was supposed to be a dream. Like... Alice hallucinated
1: it. But that that's where it just it loses me because it's like it's like oh yeah, Jason pops like if I'm again watching this back in the 80s for the first time and seeing it's like okay, she's in the water and all of a sudden like boom, big big reveal, you know, big jump scare and they were talking about how uh they watched uh Carrie and the same thing with the hand popping out of the ground. They wanted that kind of reaction jump scare and that's what they got
0: yeah but De Palma did it better
1: yeah and it was just like like it was very confusing and then at the same time it's like who called the cops like how did the cops get there
0: the only guess i have is because steve christie came back with a cop and my assumption this is just me and my assumption is that when someone tried to get him on the radio and couldn't, they sent somebody
1: out. But but that's what I'm saying it's like so it was like who called the cops? The cops show up and then you know come on. Then like later on, it's like when Alice is in the the hospital bed and they're like she kind of comes to and they're like the officer you know walks in. He's like, oh yeah, we pulled you out of the lake. So clearly, still cops had to come and get her out of the lake. Right, and it's like how like like I need a little bit more explanation so that was a little bit of a confusing thing and it's like so then I'm left with is Jason alive is Jason dead was it a dream was it this and when there is no sign of a part two in sight at all it does leave it open like so when the guys were actually writing it leaves it open but at the same time it's like I would be pissed if because it's like I am left with so many questions at the end of this thing,
0: and none of them get answered in part two anyway. You just at all. a whole mess more. Yeah, yeah. It it's silly. Um, for me, I gave this one a two out of five. It's really no secret that Friday the Thirteenth is not anywhere near one of my favorite franchises. Um, even the original. Uh, it's nothing. It's 90 minutes of fluff. Um, I, the kills aren't even great. Um, the only reason I'm giving this even a two is only because of the legacy it created and what it did for the 80s in terms of opening up the doors for a whole flood of slasher and horror movies. And some of the best stuff that we now know and love came out of. Especially the early and mid 80s, um, in terms of horror. Like, it really opened the doors for other filmmakers and writers to get stories out there that maybe wouldn't have been made prior to Friday the 13th coming out. Um, otherwise, this movie would have been a one. It's really not a great story. It's kind of dumb. The only thing I can really identify with is a mother's vendetta. And a mother's need to keep other children safe after her son dies um, due to the negligence and irresponsibility of the camp counselors. Um, But even then, it's kind of like punishing people who had nothing to do with it. They weren't, the, the, the counselors at that time were either babies or were not even born yet when your son died. They had nothing to do with it. So. For you to take out your rage on people who don't even know what happened to Jason necessarily—they just took a summer job for extra college money. Like (laughs) that doesn't really make any sense. Um, I feel for her, but like I feel for her motive, but the execution—it's kind of like, but I guess, but I guess when rationality goes out the window. You just kind of go with what your feelings are. Um, yeah, two out of five. Yeah. I really don't have a whole lot left to say about this movie. Um, yeah,
1: I mean, I, I'm a, I'm in the same boat too. I don't
0: I, understand the res- <laughs> I don't get the receive fan wisdom on this one. Um, I really don't. It it's the movie doesn't have anything to say. The kills aren't that interesting. The characters aren't that interesting. The plot's not that like the plot's not interesting. This is very clearly made by a man who used to direct softcore porn. Like, he There's no rhyme or real rhyme or reason as to the doing of things. Um, now that it's well known that this movie was essentially made to make a buck. It shows. Uh, I don't fault the actors because these were up-and-comers who needed a job and wanted to break into film. And that's fine. But, um, yeah, I just... There's not a lot about this that I really love. And, in fact, I would argue that some of the sequels were actually better than this one. Even though the sequels start getting so stupid and so yeah. convoluted well, and silly. And
1: that's the thing is that, yeah, like, Jason... Well, out of all of the, like, the mate, you're, you know, the the four horsemen of slashers. Like, so, I mean, like, Freddy is my end-all, be-all, like you know favorite just because the story in a way makes sense it's it's it kind of follows a certain there's, trail there's and it a sticks with
0: logic it. to it
1: yes uh, there it even is, if the even if
0: the logic you can kind of look at and go eh, really but there's a thought process as to why these things are happening
1: yeah michael uh, we already have my standpoint on michael uh, and just being just a, a man. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then...
0: He doesn't like him. No, If, I don't, you're, I don't. if you're new to the podcast, it, he's not a fan.
1: I'm not a fan of Michael Myers. Uh, Jason, I absolutely love, but because I'm a, a, a boy and I like my hack and slash. I like to just see kills. So that's why I go to see Jason. A lot of the stories go... Like, if you follow it from you know part one to you know when you know, jason goes to hell or whatever it no, is No, until
0: jason goes to space or,
1: we won't talk about that one um yet yet but everything going up to it it's just very much like it doesn't make sense and nothing ever falls through like even mrs Voorhees, she gets dropped off at three like not even at three it's at the end of two. Yeah, she and dis- that's it. she
0: disappears you don't hear about her after that until Freddy vs. Jason, I think. Yeah. Um, the only one of, really, I like Friday Part 4 because the Tommy Jarvis story has something to it. Um, I, I'm not trying to, I don't necessarily want to make anything intellectual out of Friday the 13th because it's not about that. Um, and if anyone has been listening for a while, they know that I've made no secret about my love for cheese and sleeves and some of the real outlandish over the top shit. Uh, but this doesn't tick any of those boxes. And if it wasn't for someone getting killed occasionally, it would be a really boring movie.
1: Yeah. Nobody's
0: having interesting conversations, there's no character growth, the whole plot of we just need to get the camp fixed and opened, fine, I guess, Uh, yeah, this, I don't know, I appreciate it for what it's done, but I you're gonna real hard time convincing me as to why this is a masterpiece of (laughs) 80s horror
1: now i mean if we also we love to actually hear from you guys so i mean it's like please if you guys have a you know different opinion you want to you know chat with us about it's like we well i love to actually talk and chat with other people so meg maybe not so much But no
0: no that's not fair i do too Sometimes (laughs)
1: Sometimes <laughs> I'm, I'm more of a chatty Kathy than she is, but still you can actually reach us at a uh, creeping it real dot uh, CM at gmail.com. Um, also hit us up on our Instagrams and the Facebooks and also slasher, which is a new uh, a
0: horror movie platform. Yeah. A
1: little social media for horror movie fans, but you can get us at creeping it real. Um, and again, it's like just message us and, you know, DM us, whatever. And it's like, we'll, we'll chat all day with you. But um, I mean that's I think it's gonna wrap it up. We're gonna beat this dead horse <laughs> till, till there ain't nothing. It's just dirt in the ground. Yeah,
0: it's, but, it's dead as baby. I Jason. mean,
1: two two out of you, two point five. It the thing is like with with Friday Thirteenth, it is a enjoyable movie, and it's one that like you know, it's like anybody should actually watch for sure. Like it, it's almost like a rite of you know rite of passage type of thing for horror movies it's just you just gotta watch it type of thing um so i mean it's just like we always say if you if you like it fucking love it it's like if you don't like it cool like but we're not gonna sit there and try and sway. this is just our opinion so yeah but if you like
0: our opinion you can also buy our merch at creeping hey there you go get yourself a sticker or a t-shirt it'll be great so good segue yeah so (laughs) this wraps up our summer of blood month uh, we hope you guys enjoyed it as yeah. much as we did. Coming up next month and week, we are starting a Master of Horror Month. Wes Craven will be our focus. Yeah. Um, Wes so, Craven has his birthday's in April. Or, I'm sorry, we're in August. His birthday's in August. So I thought it would be a fun idea to take a look back at some of his work. And we're going to kick it off with the original Last House on the Left from
1: 1972. Which is going to be a banger and there's gonna be a lot to talk about within that one but i mean yeah so it'll be all west craven all month and i think it'll be a good old good old time so yeah so yeah just remember uh Mm -hmm. like share and subscribe uh and tell everyone that you possibly know all about this hit them up we're on you know all types of different you know major podcast platforms just you know, just subscribe please just do it we love you do it so yeah but uh other than that you know, it's like uh, we definitely appreciate you guys we love to you know see you guys next week so but uh I've been lunchbox
0: and I have been Meg and everybody remember, mommy knows best.